Happy birthday, America, to all of you. <laughs> what a great, great country. We have the privilege of living in the finest place in the whole wide world. And, and uh, just uh, thank you all for being here on such a beautiful day. I mean, really, you, you could be at the beach or wherever, and, and you chose to be here with us. That's very kind of you. And all of your smiling faces, thank you so much for being here from the bottom of my heart. Wasn't that a great song? Uh, that, just the whole idea of that song when he says that Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He, in His grace, in His mercy upon the cross, when He shed His blood, He wiped it all and cleaned it all white as snow. It's um, one of the great, great songs I think we can all just uh, just relish over, the whole idea of, of that beautiful, beautiful song. Well, I told you last week we'd finish up Romans this week, and by golly, I lied. <laughs> I didn't really lie on purpose. I just, I just found it almost impossible to get through this particular section. Um, you'll have to forgive me. It reminds me of you, and it, and and I can see Paul saying these words to you guys about what he is about to say to us out of this last part of Romans chapter 16. Now we will finish next week, but who knows? Maybe not. But I'm pretty sure we will. Then what? I don't know. I'm sorry, I still don't. Um, but this is a place where, you know, Paul had mentioned about 30-some people in the first, uh, first verses of chapter 16. He mentioned all sorts of ordinary people who did extraordinary things for the cause of Christ. And then he stopped and he said, Now be aware of false teachers that might come in amongst you. Then he starts again by praising eight, eight men. These, I believe, were very special people to Paul. And I think I'll try to explain why in a moment from the message. He mentions these guys who had an impact, I believe, upon his life. And they are sending their greetings to the church in Rome. Turn with me to Romans chapter 16, would you please? And I want you to read with me. Let's read from verses 19 to the end of the chapter, but we will take the end of the chapter next week. Because at the end of this chapter, he's going to speak of a mystery that has been kept secret from long ages past. And we're going to, well, you already, I think, know what it is. The mystery was that the, that the God Almighty had in mind to bring Jew and Gentile together in what is called the church, the church age, the the, the, the whole idea of Christianity, where Jew and Gentile, all people, are invited into this wonderful tent that God has for all of us as believers, that will one day we will spend eternity with Him in heaven. That was not known in the Old Testament. That was a secret that Paul says is now being revealed um, in this day and age. And so we will talk of that next week. But sufficient to talk about the people whom Paul really loves, who sends their greetings to the church in Rome. Listen, please, with me, and we'll read from um, verse 19 to the end of the chapter. Paul writes, For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 
Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. And so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. And Quartus, the brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, verse 25, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. There are a couple of hiccups in these few verses. Number one, you read right away in verse 22 and you see Tertius wrote this letter. Well, that's true, but it's not. He didn't dictate it. He wrote it. Paul had a secretary who wrote for him near the, near the time in his life where he had trouble. We had a, a certain uh, um, malady. I don't know what was wrong with him, but he had perhaps something wrong with his eyes. He had prayed three times for the Lord to release him of that, and he didn't. The Lord didn't. And that's where it led Paul to say, is, uh, in, in, my weakness is sufficient in your strength. And, 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 and all of those things. But there is also a little hiccup in, in verse 24. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen, is not written in earlier manuscripts. So let's, we'll try to straighten this all out this morning. But what he says concerning these eight people that, that greet the, the, the believers in Rome is, is absolutely beautiful. And, and I, I believe that these, these men and had a tremendous impact in the life of Paul. And I especially can relate to this place in Scripture. I especially can relate to where, where Paul says, for instance, in verse 19, the report of your obedience has reached to all. I'm rejoicing over you. I, 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 I'm not Paul by any stretch of the imagination, but I understand. I, I feel like I understand his heart there. I feel like that's what this church is about. The report of all that you are doing here in this community is starting to reach to all. I mean, on Saturday nights especially, we have uh, some visitors that come and see us. Uh, they, use, they go to maybe their church on Sunday or they're investigating about where they're going to go to church and they're looking for churches. And so Saturday night is a, a very convenient time for them to come here and then they want to, they can go to another church on Sunday. And I've had, I've had more than just a few people come to me and say, boy, the reputation of this church up here on this hill is, is pretty good. And I say, praise the Lord. And I, I tell you, folks, that's to your credit. That's to you as a body of believers. Your, your reputation in this community is being known by all. It's, it's getting to be very, very popular to, to hear about the Rock Community Church. Paul says, I rejoice over you. And I, I can honestly say that. I, I think about you folks all the time. In prayer, um, I just think about you all the time. And uh, this is one of those places. I understand, I think, what Paul is writing. 
And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for, um, for the privilege of being a part of this place and for the privilege of hearing people come to me and where they should be coming to you all. Uh, they'll come to me and they'll say of good things about our church and, and uh, maybe hearing about us or something. And uh, I am very thankful for that. I am very thankful for that. Now let's open with prayer and let's uh, get into this particular, this wonderful place in Scripture where Paul just expresses his love for these guys. Father, would you please open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And Father, will you please thank, please be, uh, allow us to thank you for the music that we sang, the, the, the whole idea of the verses that said you paid it all, all to you we owe. Sin truly left us a crimson stain upon our lives. And Father, you, through your death upon the cross and the blood that you shed, washed sin away from us as if it were white as snow. And then we sang, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Father, we have much to be thankful of. So if you would, please open up our eyes so that we can understand these things. And Father, would you move me out of the way so that I do not hinder what you want to say to each and every one of us here this morning. Father, we truly, truly are honored to be able to worship you like this on this day the 6th of July, the year 2014, we we can stop for this hour in time and, and just worship you and praise your most holy and righteous name. The great privilege you've given us, Father. So we thank you for it in the precious, most wonderful name of names. That's the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray, Father. Amen. You notice that Paul says, when I read verses 19 and 20, I read it for a reason, uh, the report, he says, of your obedience has reached to all. But I want you, he says, to be wise. I want you to be wise in what is good, and I want you to be innocent in anything that might be evil. Then he said in verse 20, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That soon means suddenly. It doesn't mean soon in time. It means soon like in an instant. It's going to happen, and it'll happen like a blink of an eye. Soon. And then he ends by saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. You'll note that even in, in, the, in the whole idea of our being obedient, the report of your obedience, Paul says we still need God's continuing grace. Grace to give us wisdom to do what is good, to give us innocence to stay away from evil, to strengthen us when we may be attacked by Satan. And then in verses 21 to 24, Paul gets into the meat of why this is written. He is speaking on behalf of eight companions of his, fellow workers of his. These men seem to be very, very special to Paul. Note verses 21 to 24. There's Timothy, who he calls my fellow worker. Now, we studied last week and we saw that a fellow worker in the Greek translates out to be someone who tirelessly serves the Lord and the body of Christ. He calls that Timothy. Lucius, Jason, so Sisvater, he calls them my kinsmen. Gaius, he said, hosted me. Not only me, Paul says in verse 23, but he also hosted the whole church. He greets you, as does Erastus, who is the city treasurer, as does Quartus, the brother. 
Then he says in verse 24, which is, if, it's, if you have the New American Standard, you'll note it's in brackets, which means this verse is not found in earlier manuscripts. But it is written, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's take a look at these eight fellows. To understand who Timothy is, you and I would need to look at Philippians chapter 2. There's other places that mention this Timothy. But this one's really special. And this one, this place in Scripture ministered to me because I see so many of you like Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord, Paul's writing in Philippians chapter 2 verse 19, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Then he says this, I have no one else, verse 20, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. I think about this church. I think about the number of men and women who have served the Lord so faithfully with no concern of their own, but only the concern of your welfare. Good to see you. That's Becky. I haven't seen her in a while. Pretty as ever. There's so many of you that have served the Lord so faithfully in that manner, have just no no regard for their, their welfare, but concern for the welfare of the church. Now, I don't want to embarrass people. I, I don't, but I'm going to say some, some of these names. I mean, when I think of, of Timothy, in this church, I think of Mickey. Mickey McDermott. This gentleman has served this church so untiringly, so faithfully, and yet for, for none of his own concern, but for the concern of the body of Christ, And so Paul says, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. He says, because all seek after their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. That's not so with Timothy. Timothy seeks for the interests of our Lord and for the body of Christ. He says, but you know of his proven worth. And I'm not telling you anything when I mention Nikki's name. You all who have been a part of this church, have seen what he's done, have watched. He says, you know of his proven worth, that he has served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. Paul calls Timothy like a child who has served his father. That's Timothy. And that's so many of you in this body of believers who have reached out to do something extraordinary for the cause of Christ. Bill, I see you. I think of you. I think of you, Bruce. How much? I don't know how many people know whether that the productive study that you have of teaching the Word of God during the week and reaching men and, and, and doing it for the cause of Christ. Then he mentions in verse 21, three other men, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. My kinsmen, he calls them, meaning they were fellow believers. They were fellow believers who came along with Paul to follow after Christ, no concern for themselves. Let me tell you how much Paul loved them. Lucius, maybe, more than likely is, the one who is a prophet and teacher out of Antioch. Now, I must stop here for a moment because Antioch is very special to me. Anytime I see that in Scripture, I think of my brother in Christ, Kenny Hutcherson. The name of his church was Antioch Bible Church up in Bellevue, Washington. The reason I mentioned him this morning is because I wrote a 
a text to his wife this morning. This would have been their 29th wedding anniversary today. And so I, I try not to leave moments like that alone, even if someone has passed away. I, I have a tendency to still pay respect. So I wrote Pat, and I, I, I told her how much we were going to miss Hutch, but I know she misses him. So, you know, I, I never know the words to say, but I say it. I'll never forget. My, my father died right near Christmas quite a few years ago. And when we came home for Christmas, we were celebrating as we normally did at mom's house. And my sister, as she normally would, came up to me. You'd have to know her. And she put her little finger right in my little nose. No, not big nose. And she put her finger and she says, now don't mention dad. It'll upset mom. And I said, okay, don't worry. Sat down, <laughs> Sat down for dinner. Mom made this sarma and all she used to make. And I said, Mom, wouldn't it have been great if Dad could be here with us right now? And my sister, I thought, was going to... But I wasn't going to forget Dad on a, on a moment like that. And Mom and I and Joan, we all cried. And Mom said, which saved my little life, thanks for not forgetting Dad, son. And I wanted to look at my sister and go... But I, I, I didn't. I, I was a grown-up by then, barely. But I love remembering people who have uh, made an impact upon our lives. And so Paul remembers this man named Lucius, who was from, uh, from uh, taught was a prophet and a teacher at Antioch. But it was Lucius who was under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter thirteen that laid his hands upon Paul and Barnabas and sent them on their missionary journey. So Lucius had to be very, very special to Paul. One of Paul's first converts was the next person he mentioned, Jason. Jason, along with another man by the name of Sospiter, they were like two peas in a pod, we learn from uh, history. They were the best of friends, it appears. And they made an impact upon the church. So Sispater was from Berea. And it was, it was the writer of the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, the 11th verse, that mentioned this about those from Berea. And this is another reason why this place in Scripture reminds me of you. And every service that we've had here, all three. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says these most precious words about people from Berea. They were, he said, more noble-minded than those who were from Thessalonica because they, those in Berea, received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to, to see if the things that they were being taught were so. And that reminds me of you, a hundred percent. You people have, have demanded, really wanted the Word of God to taught so that we might grow in our faith, so that we might understand what it is that our Lord is saying to us, what it is that He wants from you and me, so that we can grow up to be conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you and I will not be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ, until we start to understand and comprehend what the Scripture is saying to us. And so like the Bereans, I can say of the Rock Community Church, you are noble-minded people. 
You have received the Word of God with great eagerness, and you have examined the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Verse 22 comes Tertius. I think that's the way you say his name. It's T-E-R-T-I-U-S. I think it's Tertius. That's close enough, right? I hope. He was Paul's secretary. Paul had a secretary. You see, Paul couldn't see as he used to, and he couldn't write as he used to. And so he had someone that he dictated the letters to. And Tertius was that person. And he, in verse 22, inserts his own greeting. Look what he says. I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. The fact that Paul states here, and also in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and Galatians, the 6th chapter, right at the end of those two books, Paul writes down these words, Galatians especially, See what large letters I am writing to you. He didn't write that throughout the whole book. That indicates that the main body of these letters written by Paul, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, the main body of these letters letters were dictated by Paul to another person, a secretary, and that Paul more than likely personally penned the closing verses to let the people know it was from his hand that they received these notes. So Tertius had to be very, very special to Paul. I mean, you can only imagine. I mean, here he is dictating these words to him and and, and Tertius is faithfully writing down what Paul is telling him to write. Then in verse 23, we come across a man named Gaius. Gaius had to be very special. He was a host to Paul. In other words, he more than likely allowed Paul to stay in his home when Paul was in Corinth. And also, not only was he a host to Paul, but verse 23 tells us he was a host to the whole church. That refers that the church more than likely met in his home and they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ together there. And so Paul basically had the church right there where he was staying from the gentleman Gaius who was hosting him in his home. Which brings us... Well, let me tell you a little bit about Gaius. Let me tell you why Gaius is so doggone special to Paul. It's clear to me. But you have to cross-reference it. You have to find Gaius... And you find him in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul mentions Gaius in this chapter as the one of the two men in that community in Corinth whom he personally baptized. In verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you. Oh, wait, except Crispus and Gaius. He goes on to say in the 17th verse, I want to read you this for a purpose. It has nothing to do with Gaius has everything to do with you and me. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. I've mentioned to you before, and I mentioned it to you again. It is a happy, wonderful day when you recognize and realize what is your personal spiritual gift for the church. Then it becomes so easy for you to say no to certain things and yes to those other things that God has asked you to do through the church. And Paul says, I've baptized none of you. Wait, I've baptized Crispus and, and Gaius. And he also mentions a, some other family name. But he says, I, I've just baptized them. And the reason I didn't baptize all of you, he says, because the Lord didn't call me to baptize. 
He called me to preach the gospel. Last night, sitting back where, uh, where Brent, you are and your wife, your sweet wife, and you guys are, right there was Tony and, and his wife and, and Dick Sweeby, Tony Long. And those two guys, were they come to church on Saturday night. You know why they come to church on Saturday night? Because they cook all Sunday morning. They serve the Lord here in the kitchen on Sunday morning. No telling what goes on in that kitchen. I don't think any of us should know, really. No. They, they, they do that faithfully. In fact, a couple of, couple of weeks ago, when E.E. and, and the Slazaks had their wonderful, wonderful meeting with the people that went through their class, Dick and Tony stayed here all day. They cooked in the morning. Then they went in this room over here, and they were sleeping on the couches. Then they woke up and cooked for the meal for you guys, which was fabulous, for, for the EE meeting. And as I was leaving, Tony was leaving about the same time through the parking lot, and he was just dragging. And I said, Tony, you okay? He said, I never had more fun in my life. <laughs> just kind of, and I thought to myself, that's serving the Lord. That's and I asked them that night, Saturday night, I asked them this Saturday, I said, did you realize when you came here to this church that, you, that God was going to give you the spiritual gift of cooking and working in the kitchen? And both of them said no. And I asked them, could either of you cook before you started all this? And Dick said yes, Tony said no. And, and yet that is their gift to this church. And it is... Someone say, you mean cooking can be a gift? Yes, of course it can. Serving the Lord in whatever fashion that you find is where you feel most blessed. And so I encourage you to be able to find out where your niche is. You see, you people have been so kind to me. I understand what Paul says. I have not been called to baptize, although I'll baptize anybody anywhere, anytime. But Paul says, I've not been called to baptize. I've been called to preach the gospel. And you folks have been so kind to me to allow me that that privilege of going home tonight, maybe, and then maybe not, but more than likely to open up the Bible and see what I'm going to teach next week in Romans. And then where are we going to go from there? Which is still a mystery to me, which is scary to everybody else around me, and me too, but more others than me. I, I believe God will lead us, but I can't drag out Romans any longer. I've got to find out a place where we're going to be. But, but to be able to have the, the, the opportunity to do that and be able to say no to other things is a great, great privilege. It's a great privilege and it is a great honor to be able to know what God is leading you to do and not to apologize that you can't do everything. None of us can. None of us can. But where you are taking this church with your gifts, moving it along and, and, and absolutely holding it up and, and, and making it a type of church that it, the report of our obedience has, been, has reached throughout the community is a blessing. So Paul says that about Gaius. He baptized him. 23, verse 23, Erastus. He was the city treasurer. Now Gaius hosted Paul in his home as well as the whole church. Erastus was the city treasurer. He was more than likely a man of prominence, a man of, of means. He more than likely had money to help fund the church. And there's, I can understand what Paul is 
saying when he mentions Erastus, the city treasurer, a man of prominence. Because when 10 years ago, when we started this church, when we started this, the idea of the Rock Community Church, we had no place to meet. We didn't know where we were going to meet. We didn't know where or what was going to happen. We had no clue. And a pastor who who owned the property where the where now Kenyard is, it used to be called the Garden Church. He called me one morning, said, "I heard you're not going to be preaching at Yorba Linda anymore. Do you have a place to preach?" And I said, "How do you know I'm going to preach?" He said, oh, "Word gets around." He says, "Would you like to use our facility for a couple of weeks to get started?" It was Brian Crow that offered me that. I will always be indebted to him. The other gentleman that helped us was a man that I don't think most of you know. He lives in Malibu. He was a very successful entrepreneur. I got to be friends with him. It's too long a story to tell you right now, but his name, I'll tell you his name. He hates that I would do this, but his name is Rudy Mark Miller. His wife is Inga. He wrote me, he wrote us a check, this church, a check for $100,000 when we... uh, we're going to first get started. A couple of years after that, I, we were having a little bit of a bump in the, the road, and I went to him and I asked him, I said, can you help us some more? And he said, you know, it's tough being your friend. <laughs> he, I swear he told me that. <laughs> we were having dinner, and he looked me in the eye and said, you know, it's tough being your friend. And he wrote me another check for $50,000. Not me, us. It made it out to the Rock Community Church, not to me. And... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I met him, he and Inga's, for my, my wife and I met him for lunch. As we're prone to do, we take him out every once in a while and buy him lunch. And, and when we walked into the restaurant we went into, sitting there was Brian Crow and his wife. And so right there, in one t- moment time, there was this Rudy and, and Brian who helped start us. And I got to introduce them to each other, and we all hugged and all of that stuff. And it was a very special, special moment for me. I understand what... Uh, Paul is saying when he says uh, Erastus, the city treasurer, a man of prominence, more than likely helped build that church that they were doing where Paul was in Corinth. And then he mentions, lastly, verse 23, Quartus, the brother. <laughs> he was either Erastus's biological brother, but history doesn't bear that out. More than likely, Quartus was simply the brother in the church. He was the one that everyone knew. Everyone reached out to. Everyone loved. He was probably that guy that smiled and said hello to everybody. He could have been John Grant who who was at the door every week greeting us when we come in. He could have been... um, Well, one, one Wednesday morning, as I'm prone to do, Oh, I just came. Did I tell you guys we have a men's meeting tomorrow night at seven o'clock? That's my only advertisement. There it is. It's out. I did it. We were having a Wednesday morning breakfast, and um, I came to the guys. And I just had. A, I fly by the seat of my pants. I just do. It's a terrible thing to be a senior pastor and, and fly by the seat of your pants. That's why you need administrators around you. And I, I have good ones. I am not an administrator. So, anyways. I come in and I say, boy, wouldn't it be nice? It was Thanksgiving time. I said, we, everybody says something nice about another person, thankful. And so I told, brought it up to the guys, and typical of us guys, everybody just went, climbed up, except for Jeff Ochoa. Jeff Ochoa stood up, 
and, t- and mentioned every single person there's name. He knew them all by name. And he knew something about each one of them that they did to encourage his life. And so when I think of Cordis, I think of uh, Jeff Ochoa, the brother who is the friend of the church, the, the fellow that just is a blessing. Yesterday I came with an idea to have people read Scripture during the service. Did I call Jeff during the week to say I have an idea of doing this? No. When did you tell him, John? As soon as I got here Saturday night. And he helped me do it. And he did it every service. Text me. Everybody's name. He did it all. He is the brother. He is the brother. Then in verse 24, Paul gives a benediction, which needs explaining because... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen is, is in the New American Standard. It's in there, but it's in brackets. It indicates that, that this, this place in Scripture is not found in the earlier manuscripts. So maybe Paul quoted this and wrote it. Maybe he didn't. We don't know for certain. But it doesn't really matter. Because in the book of Romans, the 15th chapter, verse 33, the 16th chapter, verse 20, Paul writes similar benedictions to the church. He says in 1533, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And then in Romans 1620, he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It could be that verse 24 was added, not really written there originally by Paul, but nonetheless, the sentiment of this blessing here in verse 24 goes right along with the heart of Paul. It is consistent with, with Paul's gracious heart to those he so deeply loves. And so whether it be added or not is irrelevant. It doesn't take us away from the truth of the meaning of the Word of God, which was the heart of Paul. Now in verses 25 to 27, which we will see next week, we'll talk about the unveiled secret. But what happens at the end of verse 27 is, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. And throughout Scripture, there is, there is what is called doxologies or, or benedictions. Doxologies is a worshipful expression of our inspired praises to God for all that He is and means to us. For instance, at the end of the book of Psalms, the long book of Psalms, 150 chapters, the 150th chapter ends with a great praise to God. Let me read it to you. You don't need to look it up, but you may if you wish. It's Psalms 150, verses 1 through 6. It says, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Verse 2 says, Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Verse 3 says, Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Verse 4, Praise Him with tremble and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. If you're wondering if it's a sin to dance, obviously not. You dance unto the Lord. In fact, I went to a wedding I mentioned in the first service uh, a few months ago now. And... and, uh, after we got through with the, doing the wedding, it was so beautiful. Went into a wonderfully decorated tent. and The first song that was being played was Unforgettable by uh, Nat King Cole. You young people won't remember that. But I mean, that's my one of my all-time favorite songs. And I can't 
if I'm near my wife, not dance with her. And so here we are walking in, and Nat King Cole starts singing, Unforgettable. And I look at Kay, and she looks at me, and I grab her. And we just danced right around the table we were at. And I don't know if people were looking at us or not. I didn't care because I was just holding my wife as close to me as I could. And we were dancing that song. And basically, we did that for a couple of reasons. Number one, the song was perfect. The setting was awesome. And I knew we wouldn't be able to stay there the whole time because I had to get home early enough to do the message or do something the next morning. But dancing's not bad, folks. It's not a sin. I know some churches think you aren't supposed to. Well, that's not what it writes here in, in, in the book of Psalms, the 150th chapter. It says in verse 4, Praise Him with tremble and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Verse 5, praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. And to have quiet music in the church is not necessarily necessary. Now, for those of you who are younger and those of you who are doing music, you've got to remember this. For us older folks, loud music hurts. It's not like it used to be. You can't sit in front of a speaker and let it blast. It hurts. But there's nothing wrong with good loud music. There's nothing wrong with it. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. And then verse 6, one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, there are praises and doxologies to God throughout all of Scripture. And so I've asked, I've asked us here in the church to kind of uh, read some of these praises to God. The New Testament is full of these praises to God. For instance, at the birth of Jesus Christ, in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Jeff, would you please read that to us? And suddenly there was, <clears throat> there was the angel, a mul- and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Heavenly host, praising God, saying of this newborn son, Glory. To God in the highest. When Jesus grew up and He made His triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we are told that a multitude of people gathered around and began to praise Him as He rode into Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, verse 37 and 38. Mickey, would you please read that to us? And as He was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude and the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice and all the miracles for which he had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. Thanks, Mick. The whole crowd, the disciples, they all began to praise joyfully with a loud voice the miracles that they had seen. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, a few, I don't know, quite a few months ago now, John Grant's wife was having trouble with cancer, and it was really a touch and go. And they came over to our home one night when the leadership met, and we anointed her with oil and we prayed over her. And I asked John this morning. I said, "How's she doing?" He says, "It's a miracle, John. She's all well. It's a miracle." And so if you're wondering if God still does miracles, yes, folks, He does. Yes, He does. And I thank God for that. When Jesus Christ taught us how to pray, He ended the prayer with a doxology even to Himself. Listen to what it says as uh, 
Tanya is going to read out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For this is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For this is the kingdom, the power, and the glory of God forever and ever. In the midst of this particular letter, Romans, Paul stops. It's like he just stops in chapter 11 of Romans and he, and he declares a praise to God, which is like very few praises you and I will ever read. Melissa, uh, would you please read to us out of Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. Listen to these wonderful words. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Thanks, Melissa. The riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God are unsearchable. Unfathomable, it says, are his ways. To him be the glory forever and ever. In the middle of, of, of Paul's letter to the, to the people in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, he interjects a, a doxology that is often used in churches across the United States, across the world, maybe, to close the service. It is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Russ, would you please read them to us? Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Russ. I don't know if you heard that or not. He is able to do far abundantly, beyond anything you and I might ask or even think, according to the power that works within us. As Russ read, to him be the glory. The book of Revelation is absolutely full with uh, praises to God. Tracy, would you please read in Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, one of those great praises to God. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's something. He was worthy to take the book. He was worthy to open its seals because it was he who was slain. It was he who purchased for God with his blood you and me, our salvation from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. And then again in Revelation, the same chapter, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, Deborah's going to read to us. God bless you, Deborah. So faithful. I've, of all the people, you are, the, you are so faithful. I love you more than I can ever say. Would you read that for us, please? Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. 
Then I heard every creature in heaven and on, heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all of them in them in all that in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said Amen, amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. Thanks, Deborah. Commonly, we are called the elders. In the book of uh, Revelation, we are known as the elders, the church, and it says that we will fall down and worship. Um, I can't wait to see what that moment's going to be like. I can't. I wonder if we'll be able to look up and peek and see if we notice anybody, you know, see you all. I don't know if we even want to do that. We'll probably be so enthralled by worshiping the Lord. But we'll be able to fall down before Him and praise Him. As we close this great book, next week we're going to touch on, on the gospel. We're going to close it out. We're going to do verses 25, 6, and 7 next week. We'll see how the gospel proclaims, uh, establishes us as mankind how it proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And we will also see that it reveals the mystery, which is you and me, the church, gathering together, having a common value of our faith in Christ that draws us into unity. It's a great place to end this particular book, of course. So let's pray. Father, would you please bless us? Thank you for the people who participated by reading, Father. And, 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 and thank you so much for your kindness. I, uh, I really do understand, Lord, um, the heartbeat of Paul as he has a, just a love for those, those people that served alongside of him. And Father, I thank you for the people of this church who faithfully, 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 faithfully serve you, Father. Now you bless us wherever we, you might take us and let us enjoy the rest of this wonderful weekend, Father, as we celebrate the birth of this great nation. I pray these things in the most precious name I know, Father. That is of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.